Don't want you boys to give your mother any troubles. His face contorted when he said this, the way it did whenever he wanted to drive the hounds of fear into us. He spoke slowly, his voice deeper and louder, every word tacked nine inches deep into the beams of our minds. So that if we went ahead and disobeyed, he would make us conjure the exact moment he gave us the instruction in its complete detail with the simple phrase, I told you. I will call her regularly, and if I hear any bad news, he struck his forefinger aloft to fortify his words, I mean any funny acts at all, I'll give you the gerdon for them. He'd said the word gerdon, a word with which he emphasized a warning or highlighted the retribution for a wrong act with so much vigor that veins bulged at both sides of his face. This word, once pronounced, often completed the message. He brought out two twenty naira notes from the breast pocket of his coat and dropped them on our study table. For both of you, he said, and left the room. Obembe and I were still sitting in our bed, trying to make sense of all that when we heard Mother speaking to him outside the house in a voice so loud it seemed he was already far away. Emma, remember you have growing boys back here she'd said. I'm telling you. She was still speaking when father started his Peugeot 504. At the sound of it, Obembe and I hurried from our room, but father was already driving out of the gate. He was gone. Whenever I think of our story, how that morning would mark the last time we'd lived together, all of us, as the family we'd always been, I begin, even these two decades later, to wish he hadn't left that he had never received that transfer letter. Before that letter came, everything was in place. Father went to work every morning, and mother, who ran a fresh food store in the open market, tended to my five siblings and me, who, like the children of most families in Akure, went to school. Everything followed its natural course. We gave little thought to past events. Time meant nothing back then. The days came with clouds hanging in the sky, filled with cupfuls of dust in the dry seasons and the sun lasting into the night. It was as if a hand drew hazy pictures in the sky during the rainy seasons, when rain fell in deluges pulsating with spasms of thunderstorms for six uninterrupted months. Because things followed this known and structured pattern, no day was worthy of remembrance. All that mattered was the present and the foreseeable future. Glimpses of it mostly came like a locomotive train treading tracks of hope, with black coal in its hat and a loud elephantine toot. Sometimes these glimpses came through dreams or flights of fanciful thoughts that whispered in your head, I will be a pilot or the president of Nigeria, rich man, own helicopters for the future was what we made of it. It was a blank canvas on which anything could be imagined. But father's move to Yola changed the equation of things. Time and seasons and the past began to matter, and we started to yearn and crave for it even more than the present and the future. He began to live in Yola from that morning, the green table telephone, which had been used mainly for receiving calls from Mr. Bayo, father's childhood friend who lived in Canada, became the only way we reached him. 
Mother waited restlessly for his calls and marked the days he phoned on the calendar in her room. Whenever father missed a day in the schedule and mother had exhausted her patience waiting, usually long into midnight, she would unfasten the knot at the hem of her wrapper, bring out the crumpled paper on which she scribbled his phone number, and dial endlessly until he answered. If we were still awake, we'd throng around her to hear father's voice, urging her to pressure him to take us with him to the new city. But father persistently refused. Yola, he reiterated, was a volatile city with a history of frequent large-scale violence, especially against people of our tribe, the Igbo. We continued to push him until the bloody sectarian riots of March 1996 erupted. When finally father got on the phone, he recounted, with the sound of sporadic shooting audible in the background, how he narrowly escaped death when rioters attacked.